Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of Who Gives a Flux. A little bit of extra flux for you today. And might I say, Happy New Year to all of you, my faithful listeners. I hope you've had a really lovely Christmas time, however you celebrated it or didn't celebrate it, because I'm actually a big believer that you should make the holidays yours and not be tied down by tradition. unless of course you like being tied down and that brings you joy in which case (laughs) i just hope you enjoyed why why i speak like this i don't know but i hope you enjoyed your christmas time i really do um however you celebrated it or not so at the time of recording it is january the 1st 2024 and i thought i would share with you something from the archive. In this episode of Extra Flux, you are about to hear an audio commentary that I recorded with Joe from the Hamster with a Blunt Penknife podcast. It was recorded back in Jan 2022, just after the release of the episode. So, of course, I am talking about Eve of the Daleks. And to be honest, if you didn't watch it yesterday, shame on you, because it would have been the perfect episode to see out 2023 with. I did watch it yesterday and I was watching it whilst I was preparing my Chinese feast for our evening meal, which has become a bit of a tradition in our house. And seeing it again reminded me of the chat I had with Joe and he has kindly given me the green light to share our chat on this channel as well. So sit back, relax and enjoy revisiting Eve of the Daleks on Who Gives a Flux. Okay, I'm here today with a wonderful man who has appeared once before on Hands with a Blunt Penner, and we have tried many, many times to make a second appearance happen. It's Mike Honor. Say hello, Mike. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm marvellous. Well, I'm here talking to you, and we're about to talk about a Jodie Whittaker episode again. For a change, yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, I've got a big question for you. Okay. And it has nothing to do with the episode that we're talking about. Okay. What did you think of the third season of Jodie Whittaker's Doctor Who Flux? I fluxing loved it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was huge. I thought it was epic. Um, I, I I I spoke to you earlier, but I was fully immersed in Flux for the whole time it was on. It wasn't just the show, it was podcasts, it was YouTube videos. I had to put the book down that I was reading for those six weeks because I couldn't concentrate on it because it wasn't Flux. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I Instagram kind of blew up as well. Everybody was talking about it. Everybody was talking about it, Twitter even. And okay, yeah, the, the, it wasn't all positive. On, on Twitter because it never ever is and it's Jodie Whittaker's era isn't it so you know but um, I, I have found myself quite a nice little corner of Twitter of, of, of like you know positive people who are trying trying you know letting themselves enjoy it um, and yeah fully immersed and I thoroughly enjoyed myself I know there was a lot that I think I found it each like first watch was sort of just to 
accept what happened. It was uh, and try and just just follow it to take it in because it was quite surprising and a lot going on. But then on second watch, I was like, oh, this is actually quite good. On third watch, it was much, much better. And I've watched it. I watched it a few times now. I'm not going to lie. Um, thoroughly enjoyed myself. How did you find it? I loved it. I really loved it. And uh, I, I genuinely think this was um, like Whitaker's best season. I know it was like a truncated season. Um, I just thought there was there was so many things he got right here. He went for the fun jugular, which I don't think he always did before. A lot of like eleven was worthy. A lot of twelve was like mythos breaking. Uh, like so there were there are fun episodes. Don't get me wrong, Kablam, Spyfall, but this literally was was funny. Like the dialogue was fast and funny. It had an incredible guest cast. I thought like the guest characters and the actors that they got to play those roles were phenomenal. And because they couldn't go overseas, they they did this huge amount of CGI, which I don't object to because obviously COVID, we're fucking lucky that they made Doctor Who for us at all. But it meant suddenly the show was on this mad visually creative scale with all these uh, unusual CGI landscapes, you know, the acid seas, the Temple of Atropos, planet landscapes that weird black and white house like the visuals were out of this world has never looked as good as this mm. ever you know and again it's a shame they couldn't go to more locations and, and and be more outside but you know look at what they did given the circumstances they were in when they were making it and actually sometimes i think when you're creative i think the constraints of creativity make you more creative oh. so sure. in in having all these barriers, Chris Chibnall had to write something very, very mindful of those barriers. And it it, it must have been a really interesting process. Well, that would be a question. He plotted out a season, hadn't he? He plotted out a full season. And then it was like, no, we can't do that. We can't go overseas. The story I want to tell, we've got to do within this many episodes. Um and I just think like it was some of his best work. I think uh, Halloween Apocalypse was just really fun. War of the Sontarans was fucking excellent. I thought that was a, that's probably one of his best episodes. Uh, Once upon time, like only could have been told within that season at that point, which made it utterly unique. Uh, Village of the Angels was scary and just brilliant. I really liked um, what was the next one called? I can't remember now um survivors of the flux i really enjoyed that one i loved all the adventures of uh yazdan and eustatius jericho and i re really loved the you know the ex exposition vomit from tech Tayun and <laughs> the doctor um in the division and then the last episode i had a few issues with the last episode and that was only because there was a lot left dangling which i don't think he's done with yet so i think he's got two episodes to actually tie some of that stuff up Yes, but yeah. as a piece in itself, the two doctors, which was really fun. I love the Sontarans taking out the Cybermen and the Daleks. That was hilarious. I just love the Sontarans. Yeah. I've never really loved the Sontarans. Remember now, I am new to classic Who, and very well established in the new Who. So Sontarans for me have always been, well, just the just the two part from Russell T Davis's time from series four. And then Strax. So really, that's that's yeah, that's really my only Sontaran knowledge. So I loved the Sontarans this time. They 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 really were elevated for me 
they were much more villainous, but still funny. Oh, I loved it. Didn't you find like the whole thing just played to Chibnall's frames? Like that, uh, that kind of broad church, grand canvas. And he even did that thing that he did at the end of most broad church episodes, at the end of the Halloween apocalypse, you know, where you go through oh, every single character and where they're at at this point in the narrative. You know, and I was just like, this is this is his wheelhouse. This is his strengths. And he's bringing all that stuff to it. And this is like, that's one of the most bingeable seasons now. Like, that's a Sunday afternoon season. I also love that. I know it wasn't really hugely about Halloween, but so my birthday's on Halloween. OK, so I had to sacrifice watching the Halloween apocalypse live on TV for my birthday and I know that sounds really like uh funny but we went out for a lovely meal don't get me wrong really enjoyed myself had a lovely uh, passion fruit martini which I would highly recommend um but and then I was ready then to come home to watch the Halloween apocalypse I couldn't go on my phone I had literally put it away I only let the camera be on so I could take photos of the night uh I, I didn't want to I didn't want to see anything and I, I like the fact that it's not really Halloween-y, but it's sort of set to Halloween. So every year now when Halloween comes round, I'm going to want to put that on and probably fly through Flux again every October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my, my birthday episode was Utopia in Series 3. And I knew, I knew something big was going to happen. And I had this massive birthday party, right? We're like, I'm going to have 30-odd people or something like that. right? And I literally cut it short. <laughs> I was like, sorry, guys. Uh, eat up because we ain't going out for drink because I'm going home to watch David Tennant and Derek Jacoby all right uh, yeah oh that's a good one that's a good birthday episode I love that and so why don't you tell everybody what we're here to talk about today because this is a massive departure from the flux I mean you couldn't talk about going in a, a more of an opposite direction Absolutely. We're here to watch Eve of the Daleks. And it needed to be an opposite direction. It needed to be a calm, quieter, standalone story after the epicness of Flux, because you couldn't top that. You couldn't try. You need this episode in between to sort of gather your thoughts. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot going on in this episode as well, which sort of moves things forwards in a really lovely way. I think this is a really good one. Oh, would you like? Oh, okay, I'm going to say something a little bit controversial. Oh, I love it. Go on. Well, I mean, I think uh, War of the Sontarans is a top five Jodie Whittaker, but I think Eva the Daleks is as well. I love mm. this. So when I watched this, it blew me away. I was expecting it to be good. I wasn't expecting it to be this good. I genuinely had belly laughs watching this. Um, and I thought the, the writing and the direction in this were just peak Doctor Who. I was so impressed with the direction of this. Um, has a warehouse ever been as pretty? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought the dialogues were really scary as well. And given that, you know, it was constantly recycling the same material, it was just shot in really interesting ways, which we'll talk about as we go through it. But the best thing about this, absolute best thing about this, was Jodie fucking Whittaker, who, I mean... I think she she came to the role fully formed. In yes. this, like, it, this is like the best the Doctor's ever been. That bit where she's sitting on the sofa and the Dalek comes in and he's like, Daleks don't have friends. She's like, oh yeah, well, whose fault's that then? And she's literally goading yeah. the bloody thing into killing her. I'm like, I can't love you more. I literally can't love you more. And I know there's some people out there that can't wait to get shot of her. 
I am lamenting the fact that we've only got two more episodes because I think she's always been good, always been yes. good. And we said this in Woman Who Fell to Earth, didn't we? You did. But since the beginning of Flux, she's gone somewhere incredibly good. And I am going to be bereft when she leaves. And I'm really looking forward to the next era and the next phase because when it when it comes, it's really exciting. But but I I am going to be really sad when 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 we see her final episode. I am I am. It's, it's going to be quite an emotional one, I think. And mm-hmm. like I just like we'll, we'll we'll talk as we go through this, but I just kept because through flux she she had. You are right. A lot more nuance through flux, and a lot more to play with. And and I genuinely still think, and I think I said this before, but but she's had more to deal with as the character, the Doctor, than any other incarnation has on a personal level. You know, yes, okay, you had David Tennant, who everybody puts on his pedestal, right? I think I did too. Oh, I did. I'm speaking oh, in the past. Oh, something changed. I just feel like in, with hindsight and in retrospect, he's quite arrogant. He's an arrogant doctor. And I know he's the hero. I know he's the hero. And it, it was right for the time. But yes, he had to deal with, with the whole Rose love interest thing which which was i remember watching it and loving it please don't get me wrong joe i did i watched it and loved it at the time i i lapped that right up but as i have grown with the show and as the show has grown since then um i think that jody's doctor has had to just deal with this massive emotional and mental story that perhaps none of the other doctors have had to you know this this development of of where who is she where does she come from i'm not trying to channel nikki graham there who is she where did we find her um but <laughs> but it's just such a really interesting really interesting story and then performance because of that story well i don't think it's clear that he actually had this whole era mapped out. I, I don't think we saw that at the beginning. At the beginning, it just felt very, you know, like, well, this isn't going to be arc heavy. It's going to be back to Doctor Who, just adventuring and blah, blah, blah. No, he absolutely knew what he was doing. She's had an identity crisis. She's yeah. lost half the universe now because the, the flux took out half the universe. And Gallifrey's been destroyed again. I mean... but And at a time where identity is so focused for all of us, yeah. It couldn't be more apt. I mean, I thought I figured that Flux was so big that they weren't going to lean into the Timeless Child. And when they did, and they brought in the Joe Martin Doctor and then like the watch and Tech Tayoon, and I it was just so cleverly done. It I just kind of did because it, oh, if he had the Barbara Flynn. Oh, I know, I know, and I, I am I'm still saddened by some of the deaths from Flux. You know, I feel like sometimes these really interesting characters played by really marvellous actors do 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 shine bright for a moment and then they're gone. And I know that that's part of the reason that makes them so good, probably. But I would have liked to have seen more from her. Yeah, I'd like to see more from her. And, uh, oh, no, actually, I quite like the death of Jericho. I love, I freaking love the character. And Kevin was, that, was so good. But... <laughs> 
his last line. What an awfully big adventure. I just thought that was perfect. It's brilliant. And, you know, there does have to be, there, there does have to be deaths because the, that's how big the stakes are. I know that we're watching planets implode on themselves, but we have no emotional connection to that. Well, if so, you want to see some deaths, you ain't going to be disappointed in this episode. I'm telling no. you. And that's another thing as well, is that he gets to do this thing where he can kill the Doctor over and over and over again. And you can only really do it in a time loop episode. And time loop episodes are the horriest old science fiction cliche. You could you know the chronic history sitting in Megalos, cause and effect in uh, Next Generation. Like you could point at any, uh, I think, window of opportunity for Stargate SG-1. Like everyone's done it. I'm so glad you mentioned Stargate SG-1. I fucking love Stargate. <laughs> I still love the bit where he's playing golf in the in the. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. But it's interesting because I mean, okay, so question for you because obviously you know I'm not very clued up on classic Who. So I mean, how how often is the time loop kind of used in 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 back in the day in Doctor Who? Is there is there any examples of that? Often. There's there's a there's a sequence in Megalos where he, tap, he traps the Doctor and Romana in a time loop and they have to, the way they get out of it is really fun because they, they're going through the motions over and over and over again and then they have to deliberately do it themselves before the time loop resets but the Doctor keeps forgetting his lines even though he's <laughs> done it over and over again. It's super funny. Um, there's like a bit in City of Death which plays again, like not many, not, not, not many that I can think of but like across science fiction. Everyone's like, X-Files in a brilliant time loop episode with an exploding bank that killed off Mulder and Scully a load of times. So it was really good in season six. Yeah. I'm glad because sometimes time loops, you know, for as, as an experienced sci-fi watcher, time loop, like you said, is nothing new. And when you have them kill off a main character in a time loop story, well, it, it doesn't always have the same gravitas, does it? Because you know it's a time loop, you know it resets, you know it goes back around. But there is something quite thrilling about the um, the, the the pre credit sequence of, of this yeah. episode that we're going to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I showed this to, uh, I was sitting there watching this with my ex, and he I said, look, I just want you to watch the pre credits. And he watched the pre credits where they get exterminated and was like, well, obviously, I'm going to watch the rest now. I need yeah. to see how this plays out. And what he did that was super clever with this time loop story was the minute thing. And I don't know why uh, or why it was going to stop at midnight, like, uh, just because it's a New Year special, I guess. Who, who knows? Yes. But it just meant that something different was happening with each loop, which made it, which gave the story momentum. It raised the stakes. Yeah, and it just gets faster and faster and funny. Well, I feel, should we go in and watch the thing? Yes, come on then, let's do it. Well, I th well, why don't you count us in then? I'm all geared up and ready to go. Okay, let's watch in five, four, three, two, one. Okay, so I've got a question for you straight off the bat. Obviously, um, oh, that's loud, Mark, what it was. Um, and that is Ailing B. Ashleen, Ashleen B. Ailing. Ashleen B. It's okay, just Ashleen B. Yes. How marvelous was she in this? Fantastic, fantastic. She's a really, really great, well, actress person. Um, if you get a chance to listen to any podcast with her in it, she is very, very engaging and funny. She just does. She she's very witty and clever, and she is the standout. I think from this episode. She has such presence. And... It's that character. 
really invested in. I, I only ever seen her in one thing before, and that's uh, Trolleyed, the Sky. Okay, okay. She's got. Um, she writes her own and stars in her own program called. Oh no, I've gone blank. It's not what it's called. That's just me going. I've gone blank. This way up. It could be called it, something like that. It's Any good? on. It's good. It's good. She she's she plays a character who's struggling with her mental health and just trying to get through life, and it's it's funny and moving. It's sort of like watching Afterlife on Netflix, but but with her as the as the central central person. About Afterlife, the first two seasons of that, I was in pieces. All right, <laughs> so good, I'm so good. Um, but really, really good. And what I like about her in this is, is she ain't always very likable, and yet. No. She's all, no, she doesn't behave very likely, sorry, but you always like her because she's really funny. Yeah, plus she's, she's yeah, she's she's human. She's very well-rounded for a guest person. Anybody she, that says that Chibnall can't do guest character writing, they need to watch this episode. They, and uh, Well, I mean, okay, he's a little bit weird, right? Like, yes, we'll get there. Because that, that, where, that storage room that he's got, I mean, that is some freaky shit right there, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I might have but pictures is... of his ex's penises, but I certainly <laughs> do not have... Um, you what, know. locked warehouse, framed, named, <laughs> dated? <laughs> I don't really have pictures of ex's penises. I'm just <laughs> like, I do it for effect, all right? <laughs> okay. I believe you. Thousands won't. <laughs> Locked in. Us, yeah. Anyway, no. Moving on. Um, but I do think this is a like when I heard this was going to be like a romantic comedy as well. I was like, oh, really? Are we going there? Actually, it works. It does work. It does. It does work. And I, I think, yeah, I think it's a lovely chemistry. It's, 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 and look, and actually, it's not that often you spend time on Doctor Who with just the guest cast for as long as we do mm. with, with, with it. So I think that's the advantage of having a longer time for the special to 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 play out over. And it's lovely because you do really get into their heads. It does it is romantic. It is it is sweet. It is awkward. It's 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 supposed to be. And, I like as well that he is the shy one. And yeah. she is the gregarious, like she's all personality. Yeah. And he very sweetly comes here every New Year's, basically traps her at work, which is a bit creepy again. But <laughs> it is a bit. But um, I I think that do you know what? Do you know what I'm guilty of? This is me and my life. Oh, hang on, I have to we have to pause because this seems amazing because this is this is fantastic. I thought it was so stunning seeing the TARDIS like this post flat. Yeah, you love it when she's all steampunk and glasses and and I, I love the goggles. Yeah, I love the goggles. I just I just love this this. I don't know. She's like a mad scientist. I think she's, <laughs> she, she's like a nutty fucking professor, but gorgeous. Yeah. All the colours. I just thought it was fantastic. And there's a brilliant CGI sequence in a minute where we see the TARDIS like yeah. open up. It's it's. I'm going to say claws. I know you're quite partial to calling them penises, but let's <laughs> let's, let's, let's call them fingers for today. Um, when they kind of open and and everything swirls about. I thought this was uh, incredible to see, and we've never seen anything like that before. And I love mm. the fact it cuts to them running out the TARDIS, and Yaz just gets that line. The comic like. Where's the beach? Is <laughs> that funny? Look at that. Oh my days. Well, there's the thing. 
have you seen that TikTok that someone's put together? It's a beautiful piece of music. It's about two minutes long, and oh, it's it's beautiful imagery from the Jodie Whittaker era. It no, is stunning, and then I think this this was part of it. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll link you to it. It's really good. Thank you. Um, yes, what I was going to say was um, I am guilty of this in life and in TV shows and in general. But I think when I when I see a character on on like this guy, who's everyone's like, oh my gosh, he's so creepy and weird. Um, I think I see people how they think this they they want to be seen rather than how they're actually seen so i think it's about looking for i look for the good in people i guess i look for the i, I guess i'm looking for the innocence and i saw this as him being just a bit and uh, nerdy and a bit odd and a bit yeah yeah, yeah yeah i didn't see it as particularly creepy it's funny because of how they react later on about it but i didn't see him as being that like you know I mean, I think we've all got quirks that people would look at and say, well, that's a bit weird. The fella I'm playing at the moment has got a hard-on for bloody Tupperware boxes and everything in their house is full of Tupperware boxes, right? And so I might look at that and go, well, that's a bit weird. You're like cataloging everything in your house in the plastic box. To me, it's the cutest thing in the world. So, you know, maybe it's not Mm -hmm. so. Oh, I love storage. (laughs) the storage (laughs) he plays the role very charmingly you know it's not played creepily and there's a wonderful bit where yeah it's like he's standing right there like you know don't be so rude to him yeah oh this i really enjoyed this this death this dalek death here because they don't say exterminate and i love the new gun do you like the new i love Love the gun, flipping egg. That is brutal. Look at that silhouette, and he's just like, "Who are you?" <laughs> it's a female director that directs this, and she shoots the Daleks particularly well. She knows to shoot them from below. At uh, one point, there's one point where she shoots like over the Dalek's shoulder, so we're effectively seeing what the Daleks did without looking through the eye stalk. Interesting. Yeah, I'll point out. Oh my god. Okay, the mother. Right. Oh, she's amazing, isn't she? I'll, I'll ring you at the barns, mummy. Like, oh my God, this is so real. Because if if it literally came to saving the world and my mum, God rest her soul, when she was still alive, ringing me when I asked her to, then the world would be doomed. <laughs> oh, it's just such a, 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 a believable and natural relationship that they have here. 100% fully, fully, just believe it and it's fully formed. I mean, I, I don't think anyone does the parent-child relationship better than Rusty Davis. I think like the Sylvia Donna, uh, Jackie Rose is just so believable. And we spend a lot of time with them. But I think Chibnall is far more adept at doing it than Stephen Moffat was. Far more adept. 100%. Let's not, let's not even waste our breath talking about Moffat's poor depiction of the families of the companions. It was just rubbish. What was Clara's nan called again? Clara's nan. Yeah, nan. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mind you, she was fab. She oh, was I like that too. Two bloody scenes. Absolutely, but she really did. I would have liked to see more of her. But yeah, he he did seem to sacrifice the familial aspect of the show. And I think that Chibnall has done that as well a little bit, only because I wanted to see more of Yas's family because I loved them so much. I think we might see them in the last episode, you know. I'm I hope so. Oh, look at that gun. 
Oh so basically, Chibnall murders off the entire cast in the pre-credit sequence. And how unusual is how long is this pre-credit sequence as well? Really, I thought we weren't going to get the credits again because I think on a couple of of oh, was it was it the last special, the special before where there wasn't credits? You just jumped straight into the episode, and I thought oh, we're not going to get them. But then I thought, no, no, you're not going to waste the chance to kill the Doctor and then have those credits roll. You know, oh, you know what? Oh, one of my favourite lines in this is I don't know if it was just then. It's, just, it's one point between the Doctor and the Dalek where it's like, um, uh, "We want to kill you for all your crimes against the Dalek race," and she's like, "Well, which ones? Which ones? <laughs> yeah, yeah." But that was quite chilling then when the Dalek said, "Daleks learn," like, and then and then it and then it spins on its gun. That was quite like, "Ooh, okay, that is a bit more menacing." And I heard like someone criticize this episode and say that the Daleks are basically just written as like stock monsters within the time loop. But actually, they're written as very smart because they figure out the rules of the time loop and start yes. reacting back. And all right, they're still defeated by the end because they're the bloody Daleks and they're rubbish, but um, they're smart. And I like that. Had sort of trepidations about this episode. I not trepidations. That's a that's not the right word. I just wall. I didn't have very high expectations about it because Why? after the, just because the flux was so big, and because um, I you you can't you can't top that. So I knew I had to go in a different direction. But I think because as well the last two Dalek specials were well, one was a sequel of the other. If you if you know what I mean, yeah. and. It was it. I, I this isn't a continuation of that story. So I think perhaps it was a bit like, oh, I, well, I quite enjoyed the two Dalek specials. They, I think they're quite good. And I would, I thought, wouldn't it be nice if, if it was a trilogy of that kind of a one big story of the Daleks, if that makes sense? Um, so I just didn't really have like, oh, I can't wait to watch this new special because I knew the Daleks were in it. But I firmly believe that the Daleks are much more menacing when there aren't as many of them. I feel like I engage. It just become a load of CGI Daleks on the screen. Yeah, and it just guns. They're just guns. It just it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. So when there's less of them on the screen, I feel like it's so much more interesting. So much more interesting. Yeah, and I, I love. We haven't spoken about what the TARDIS like cracking like that. Which that's, is, that was in all the pre-publicity, wasn't it? And I was like, it was it was? But what a what a great. Oh, I like. I, I think like I mentioned you earlier, didn't I? That I don't think like the consequences of the flux have all been dealt with yet, and this was one of them. And like the Daleks in this are another because um, they're pissed, aren't they? Because <laughs> the Doctor actually massacred a lot of them in the last one. Yeah. Um, how have we gone this far into this episode without talking about John Bishop as Dan? Well, I was going to ask you, what's your opinion of Dan? I think he is fantastic, and I, do you know what? I did like. I loved Bradley Walsh and I liked Tozin Cole's uh, Ryan. I think this is Whitaker's team, these three. And I, I, I John Bishop came in uh, and I don't think many people had high expectations. And I think the general consensus is, is once again with Bill, with Donna, the bloody one season companion, this is where it clicks. Oh, absolutely. And I, yeah, you, you're completely right. I almost feel like as well that having that having that companion come in after two seasons of, of a Doctor, like you said, Jodie is now so established in the role and she's getting all the nuances and, and, the, and the, the, the bits that you people thought she didn't get in 11, she got in 12 and then in 13. Um, and 
she you're growing with her so when a new companion comes in i feel like that's when they really do connect you know donna bill you know all those people they they had such a connection with the doctor because you were so connected with the doctor as well at that point as a viewer um so when dan was announced my initial reaction was oh no i don't know why because it was just it was an instinctual reaction no, well, I think that's the default Doctor Who fan reaction. I'm like, oh God, when Catherine Tate was announced, you know, when Billy Piper was announced, when Bradley Walsh was announced, and look how well they all turned out. Absolutely, and and I and I thoroughly enjoyed Dan through Flux and and through this, and I think that he he's so likable and he's genuinely funny. I mean, he's basically John Bishop, isn't he? As a, as, as a, you know. I don't really think it's a performance. I think he is riding on John Bishop's very natural charisma. Absolutely, absolutely. And Ashleen B is a bit like that in this too. She is riding on how she naturally is or how she portrays herself in, in certain situations on TV and, and, and in other things that she's done. Um, but the only thing about Dan, and I do have a thing about Dan, because, you know, it's, it's not all roses, is it? Um, he hasn't had a chance for me to connect with the doctor. I've heard this a lot. In, in, in a personal, on a personal level, him and Yaz have such a fantastic relationship. And, you know, he had that relationship with, with Jericho that we kind of saw, we kind of didn't, but you, you, got, you got enough of it from what we saw to, to understand that. But I don't know, the doctor hasn't really had just like, a scene with him. In fact, well, in fact, it's the scene in this where they're alone, where he's talking about Yaz to her. And that's yeah. their first kind of there was a few at the beginning of Flux, but not yeah. not much. But you know what? Okay, I'm gonna counter what you're saying um gently, because I think this is a new approach of having the doctor and her companion, Yaz, and then the companion's companion, that and yeah. I quite like that I you know like really? yeah I do I, I feel like it was a bit like that with Sarah and Harry I feel like it was a bit like that with Amy and Rory um oh. and I feel like we've got it kind of again with Yaz and Dan and the the benefit of all of this is um Yaz has come on in leaps and bounds since Flux started and um oh my god I've forgotten the actress's name Amanda Bill Thank you very much. Manda Gill has been given some terrific opportunities. She is now the longest serving companion, uh, in certainly in terms of how long the actress has been in the role. Yeah. Um, and and I, I don't think she'll ever be like one of my like top fives, but I'll always think she's very, very good. And yeah. what he's done, and I don't know if this was always the plan, but if it was, kudos to have her fall for the doctor throughout this what appeared to be a friendship actually it's a long-form romance it is i think that's really really smart and i think when i didn't think that they would have the guts to go there and then when they did it in this episode i had like chills i was like they're I mean, actually doing it they're gonna do the doctor and the companion in i i i sat up on my seat I went to the edge of my seat when it actually happened because I think I've always I, I thought about I thought like that like you just said no I didn't think they'd have the guts you know I didn't think they'd have the guts to cast a female doctor I said it's the BBC they're not, they're not gonna have the guts and Chris Chibnall did and he's gone and done it again and I genuinely I mean we'll get we'll talk to it we get to it but it it was so 
so moving so moving and what and, got me was when she turns to dan with tears in her eyes and she says she she hasn't ever said it out loud or to herself and i just think there's so many people that have been have been there or going through that and yes. i saw on twitter this massive love for Absolutely. that scene and people saying i finally feel represented in doctor who Finally, and, it, and it's it's beautiful it's genuinely beautiful and actually maybe you have a a, a very good point then about dan being oh I like when he says Groundhog Day that made me laugh I did enjoy that um, I think that Dan being Yaz's companion if I think about him like that he is that kind of once removed from the Doctor which allowed him to say to her in that scene further along you know she likes you you know yes and, you know and I think perhaps if you were as close to the Doctor you perhaps you wouldn't because you wouldn't want to jeopardize whatever that relationship is or, or, or the adventure that's happening but because he's sort of more in a relationship with Yaz he's got her back yeah so he's and I'm hoping because I've, I've got a feeling heartaches on the way because I ain't got to have long they ain't got any any time to have a romance I've got two episodes so I'm feeling uh, Yaz might might have a what I'm hoping is yeah is that they have a mature conversation and like Yaz is like I know this can't ever happen but I am in love with you. And the, and it kind of ends like that, rather than her in reams of tears, you know, and never falling for anyone ever again. And like, you know, massive melodrama. Chibnall doesn't tend to go for melodrama like Rusty Davis did. And this is all very subtly done. And I think it's more powerful for it. Yes, I agree. I agree completely. And I, and I, I, I would prefer, I mean, yes, we are obviously headed towards heartache for Yaz. Obviously we're, we're, that's where we're going. Um, and 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 yet we 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 still want to watch, isn't it? Isn't it mad? Isn't that a strange a strange thing about us, us humans wanting to watch somebody break down? It's, it's the thing about when you go past a car crash, isn't it? And you're rubbernecking. No, you want oh, it. You. And then when you see it, you're like, oh god, I wish I hadn't seen that. <laughs> Morbid fascination. But also as well with the advent of Dan, yeah. <laughs> Correct me if you think I'm wrong. I think John Bishop is casting his eye over these scripts right because all of a sudden this era is fucking funny and flux like the the bit in the beginning where she was like release release like doing all the capaldi from that point on i laughed throughout all that and i laughed throughout all this and i'm like i haven't laughed like this in chibnall's era so something no. dialogue is suddenly extremely witty and fast and funny Yes, it would be interesting to 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 see what impact John Bishop had on on lines or whether he did change them to be more colloquial. Because doesn't he say something like "you caned, you caned" looking at that hologram? And like that's a word I haven't heard for years, but it is a word I understood. But I wonder how that went down internationally because that's not a term that is that is general. But I wonder how how he might have put something on to the scripts because his but his delivery is funny as well you know when he when he gets given his house and 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 he's just like i can't live in that <laughs> what was going he, did, he hasn't he hasn't like he's had a very kind of you know bog standard tardy scene i'm like he was handed a miniaturized house how is that bog standard was oh, so I, and i think and i just realized we don't know where he's been living since the, since post the flux there was a week where was he living is he oh, carrying his house around his pocket yes yeah maybe um but like at moments during the flux like with that indian guru like um the sontaran eating the chocolate 
and oh. especially uh, da- Dan's parents, where yes. they're in the car and she's like, no, you didn't say that. I said that. Oh, man, I was pissing myself. No, you're right. And that's kind of been missing. In which- it has been missing. Lots of nice humour. It, it's been a great addition. It was needed, I think, because you are right. Some, I think it did, season 11 did start a bit, you know, taking itself ser- very seriously and, and 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 it's nice that it, he's loosened up and it's loosened up and it's it's you can tell how comfortable they all are at this point and this is what makes it so frustrating that it's ending yeah, well, <laughs> you know it's like i do find that with like it happened with tenant and tate in series four it happened with capaldi and bill in series 10 and you're like yeah. for god's sakes you've got it absolutely perfect in the last yeah. season yeah but yeah like, because I'm not a big, I, I think I think you're the same. I'm not a massive Eleventh Doctor fan. He's only okay for me, right? Um, and I sometimes think of, I don't think of Moffat's era as as one massive era. I think of it as two eras because of the two Doctors that he has. I almost, yeah, I almost see, almost don't see it as Moffat writing Capaldi. Sometimes I almost, I have a bit of a detachment. Because I love Capaldi, you know I love, you know I love number twelve. I mean, like, uh, when, a lot of episodes in that era I have difficulty with, but I think the writing is stronger generally. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's not perfect, good grief. But it is. It just it feels different somehow. The writing does feel seem seem different to what he was doing. He he switched gears, I think. You know, and, and, and that's interesting. And, and it's a shame we're kind of. We're seeing Tribunal do that on a smaller scale. He shifted years per series, series that he's done rather than eras. But, you know, at least we got to see it. But, like, uh, with Eve of the Daleks, um, I watched this four times in two days. That's how much I love this. Yeah, I watched this four times. And every single time I loved it more. I was laughing. I was scared. I was thrilled. And I think the thing that just kept drawing me back was Whitaker. I was just found her magnetic. And I just wanted to spend time with her, you know. I'm like, life's fucking miserable. I want to spend time with this amazing doctor, you know. But we also got, like, you get, like, an epic adventure here. You do get the comedy and you get the romance. But there's also... There's real emotion in this special that a lot of the specials don't have because they're one-offs. Whereas this is a one-off that continues the story. So actually it's very cleverly done. This is this is once more with feeling from Buffy, the musical episode that is tied into the arc. Yes, it is. I I mean, just this alone, where she's like, we're gonna have to die in order to reset this. She's asking them to basically commit suicide again and again and again. And I love the fact that every single time she's kind of more cocky with it. I'm like, Doctor, don't be too cocky because this could be the last time. You know? <laughs> no, exactly. Oh. She's I still think- in position though. I think it is a shame that, the slight shame that she has to be the one to always do all the exposition. I think sometimes it would be nice if she had somebody there who could take a bit of that off her, which might give her more of the emotional stuff to play. But I do think that they found a way of writing that for her and she's found a way of playing that that's really fun. Yeah. Although she does do the thing with her hands a lot. That's the only thing that irritates me about her performance is every time she's doing exposition, watch her hands, they're always going, you know? She's commanding, isn't she? She's trying to command command the scene and she's in show that she's in charge and 
everybody else is standing around just watching in, 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 in some in some scenes because that's the curse I guess of being the doctor and what you said about like this being contained what's great about this is it's not only a contained location which means it's automatic it's based on the siege basically it's automatically very claustrophobic but it's a time loop that's shrinking yes. so it's getting smaller and smaller and tighter and more claustrophobic as it goes along and I love the fact that you've got the doctor one side improvising and trying to use the time loop to her advantage. And you've got the Daleks doing exactly the same thing. And there's a sort of game going back. It's just, it's, it's a good piece of writing. It is clever. It is, and I feel I'm quite intrigued because I, obviously we know that this, this, this season was supposed to be eight episodes, wasn't it? The six of the Flux and Two specials. Yeah. And then the BBC wanted an extra special for their centenary later on in the year. So I guess I'm asking, is this the episode that they kind of wrote quickly to, to insert into that, that, to give us the extra episode? Because I would imagine that the centenary episode being the, would have been the regeneration episode, yeah. was probably already planned to be the big finish. And so would he have done a Sea Devils one or a Dalek one? Or, or is the Sea Devils one the one that they've added? But then we've seen that being filmed. Like we oh, saw the Sea Devils one would have been this, the New Year's special, yeah. and then the Centenary yeah. would have been the last one. Yeah. So this is the one that they've, so this again, a further constraint. We want an extra script to be made now. <laughs> you only have one location. You can use monsters you've already got. Uh, you can have two guest stars. Go. But remember, and, was made in the height of COVID, so he also had the restriction of he had to have a limited cast and yeah. location, and he's used that to all of its strengths as well. Yeah, and I think this is what's seen with Dan in a minute is so good. It is how clever, and we've never seen it. <laughs> we've never seen it. The bit where he's just going around the Dalek, and it's like you need to catch up with me, mate. <laughs> Oh, you know, I love the bit where, um, God, what's her name? Um, what is, what, is it Sarah? Sarah. Yeah. yeah, Sarah. I love the bit where she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was coming to save you, right? <laughs> and she absolutely wasn't. Absolutely. Her, 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 genuinely, her sarcasm really shines, doesn't it? She's <laughs> a proper standout. I think had this been the Russell T. Davis era and this had been like a Christmas special, this would have been a really nice setup as heard for a companion, sort of maybe not yeah. the next season, or the following season, like like what he did with Donna, I guess, with She's Catherine. Kind of Donna, isn't she? She does have that kind of Bruce yeah. about her. But do you know what? I'm going to say something that might surprise you. I don't think Rusty Davis could have written this better. No, I don't think so either. That's how good I think this script is. That's how vivid I think these characters are, and how kind of peppy the dialogue is. Do not store stuff. Well, how much fun? Oh, how much fun are these Dalek lines? Have we missed the bit where he goes, oh, I'm not Nick? Oh, that's right at the beginning, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think that was quite early on, but that was that was very clever. Very funny. Naughty bit of fan wank, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Daleks no. don't have managers. <laughs> uh, the best one is when he says Daleks don't have friends. Oh, and her, her answer to that is just brilliant. Like, I know it sounds like like this is like a massive loving for this episode, but I think of the new series, 
what this is setting out to do, it does practically perfectly. Like, I really don't think there's many weaknesses to this episode. There were people online, oh, I hate that I do this, but people online were complaining how the, the time loops were getting shorter, but it didn't feel like they were getting shorter, or they actually, it was more screen time per the later loops or whatever. And I was just thinking to myself, people, if you're timing, oh my God, you need to get a grip because this is fiction this is fake this is produced this is made to be a certain way suspend your disbelief just for a second please and let yourself have fun that loop was longer than the last one that can't, that loop can't be real guess what none of it's fucking real it's all fiction <laughs> i can't cope i can't cope no actually thinking back other than that i'm not sure whether there was um, too much criticism i think uh, i think for me it was just a, a big adventure with romance that I really really did enjoy I, and I and these two I think they've got such good chemistry and 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 their characters come off the page straight away and you know there has been a bit of criticism about Chibnall's characterization of some sort of guest stars I guess and these two just don't have that these proper knocks out of the park. I'm gonna like be honest I don't think that's always the criticism about Chibnall's writing of characters. I don't think that's always wrong. I think sometimes he does struggle to write characters. Oh, uh, but other times he gets it really right and, and that's here, you know. But for me, what elevates this episode is, is that scene with Yaz and, uh, and Dan later on. Because, as I said, I did, I did sit on the edge of my seat because I just thought, oh my God, they're fucking doing it. I thought, oh my God, he's fucking doing it. What I was clever was they did that scene and that probably would have been enough. Just that scene where she admits that she, and we kind of knew it because when she was watching uh, that hologram of the doctor over and over in, in oh, and then when they meet each other again and they have the hug and then the bit in the TARDIS at the end, when they're like, they're looking like they're about to kiss. And he walks in as bloody, you know, Mr. Awkward saying, well, where's my room? Yeah. Um, but then they do the scene where he, and I've heard criticism of this, where he effectively outs Yaz to the Doctor. Okay. Which I don't think is problematic. It happened to me, and it was something that I am quite grateful for, actually, when I was outed, because uh, I'm not sure I would have been brave enough to do it myself, and it happened quite young. Um, but also, like, he loves Yaz, he loves the Doctor, he knows they love each other. This is a very safe place to out. A place of love. Yeah, I don't think it's it's him being like, did you know she's gay and she likes you? I don't think it's that attitude. It's from a completely different place. It's 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 from a place of you, you, so, you, you're missing a trick here by not seeing or not admitting something that I know that you know. She knows, yeah, and that's the point. So he's not out in her, she knows. And he's saying, I know you know. Why are you pretending you don't know? And actually, this is and this is this is a, a possibly a terrible generalization. But speaking as a person who has dealt with and is dealing with his own mental health issues, as aren't we all in life at the moment? Yeah. I think a lot of people who are gay or or have some some other thing that they're holding on to or have held on to for their life, it does have an effect on your mentality. You know. And thinking back then to those scenes with Yaz in series two in Can You Hear Me, you know, when we learned about 
she wanted to run away from everything and we know her religion and her family and everything that under pressures and what was going on with her with her in school it all kind of makes sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i've i feel like he did have a game plan with her um i just can't believe that he had the the nuts to do it when they brought out that Doctor who magazine cover with the two of them effectively like hugging or looking at each other in a very romantic way i was like are we going there are we actually going to do this and then and i started thinking to myself why is that risky when doing it with the 10th doctor and rose that's not risky that was just a romance and what uh, but i always ask myself why do i think that's risky i'm a gamer well, and, do you think it's risky, Joe? Why do you think it's risky? Well, I mean, now I just feel like it, and how, how it plays out in this, and the bit at the end when they're watching the fireworks, and she looks at her, yeah. and it just felt like the most natural thing in the world. And I'm like, oh, please, Doctor, please tell Yaz you have feelings for her by the end of your era. I would love that. I think that as well. I think that I, I that that look that she gives is is amazing when she looks over to Yaz and what Yaz is watching the fireworks, and she's watching Yaz watching the fireworks. I think that look, it's it's very multi-layered, is that look. There's a lot of things going on behind those eyes in that moment. And I think one of them is like, if I I I know she knows that her time is ending as well as as the doctor. She she's been told already that her time is ending by time, she was told. That and, could have been a more he will knock four times moment, could it? And I know, I know, but I'm here for that. I was okay with it. I love a bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, I like yeah but then i think that she knows as well the doctor knows that she can't really have a relationship the third doctor knew it with joe the third doctor like pulled away didn't he when joe and clip and he wasn't going to get involved like he for a second he almost did and then he's like he real, you know he absolutely realized oh, i can't have this with you and you need to have this with him um and the tenth doctor realizes it with Rose as well. He says to her, "It's a reunion. You know, I'm I'm going to keep aging, and you're going to die." Uh, you know, and the difference between the tenth doctor and the thirteenth is the tenth was arrogant enough to let it happen almost yeah. anyway, whereas whereas thirteen is much more aware in a way, which is ironic because she's the most awkward, but she is she's aware of what's happening and is choosing not to act on it to save Yaz, I guess. I find it very interesting that she is the most, probably the most personable and delightful of the, the new series Doctors, and yet she's the most emotionally reserved in terms of allowing herself to experience things. Well, I think that was a conscious decision as well for Chibnall. <laughs> yeah, I do, and that's an awful thing to say, but I think it probably was a decision that was made. But you know what? I don't, I don't think that's such a bad thing. After we've had you know, Tennant, no, we've had Eccleston, Tennant, Smith and Capaldi, and we've had so much fucking man pain in that time. So many long lingering looks off to camera in tears, you know, losing these incredible people. That just to have someone who's a ray of sunshine and actually going on an adventure and yeah, you know, gets caught up with people and has relationships with people, but mm. it doesn't define her. Maybe that's quite refreshing. Yeah, no, no. I think I think it was I think it was the right call. But it's been nice to see then those emotions 
sneaking out as those connections are made and built on with the years that she's been the doctor you know and obviously we are to presume i guess that between um revolution of the daleks and the beginning of flux that yaz and the doctor have been on many adventures together and 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 they do they, throughout that throughout the flux they're bickering like a married couple doesn't what doesn't don't they get described as that at one point i don't know uh, god knows what's going on with that mattress in the console room as well oh. that double mattress oh, how funny how <laughs> funny that, that was literally put there for the shippers i'm telling you yeah, of course it was. Of course it was. I love that they played the audience like that as well. That's, I'm all. I'm all for that as well. Why not? I would do the same thing. But I think it's interesting that you know. I'm. I'm glad we're getting this relationship. But I still. I still don't think that we will ever see like a male companion with a male doctor relationship. I think that I don't. I don't. I can't see it happening. And that's wrong on so many levels. Well, this has happened now with two, you know, Chippers and two women. Rusty Davis is coming back and he's not averse to doing male male action, you know. Absolutely. You know, and, and I'm I, I would be here for it completely because it's it's all about the audience and the kids. And I think people sometimes forget that this is a show that's for everyone. It's for kids, it's for families, mums and dads and grandparents and everybody in between. And I think well, that's multiple levels, isn't it? Because you can absolutely watch this just for the Dalek action, which is incredible. Yes. Just for yes. the humour, which is really funny, or for the character stuff, which is really touching. Yeah. I mean, the fans, the, you know, I say the fans, I'm saying that with inverted commas, people who can't see the screen that I'm doing. Um, you know, there are, there, there are the books are written for the fans, you know, and the, 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 the big finish is for the real diehard fans who go and want more. But yeah. not every fan of Doctor Who is that. Yeah. You know, and I so I, I I'm here for it. I just I, I I would love to see it one day. I'd love to see it one. But day. I think there's something as well about being reserved with the emotion and only letting it out a bit at a time, which is what Chibnall's done throughout this era, and it's paid off here because the the scene where Yaz admits it here is like stunningly emotive, but that's not the norm in this era. So it really impacts because it's unusual. Um, I was quickly just say you must have known about how funny this was that whole sequence where he kills the two Daleks and then she's like oh you ducks didn't you and then he's like yeah I took out these two like top level Daleks and she's like yeah pick it up so funny. amazing so funny and I like this moment as well going back to the actual show we're watching sorry sorry people who are listening um, but um, I love this having all the characters in one place talking about what they're going to do and, and I, I know she gives a speech is it the, at the end of this bit where she like you know powers them up that's terribly written but I think it's great I, do you know I, I don't Joe I don't even know what to say anymore because I go online after watching these episodes sometimes and see what these people are complaining about and go and, and sometimes think to myself we're not watching the same program because I thoroughly enjoyed this moment yeah, you know what they, you can, wanna, they don't want to like it though they don't want to enjoy it oh, no, they, but like in their head you know, I'm not going to enjoy this and they'll find any reason not to enjoy it but, for years and years and years saying to us, oh, this Doctor hasn't had their moment to show us that she is the Doctor, you know. Capaldi had these amazing speeches. Give her an amazing speech. Oh, well, that was crap. But she had it in The Bloody Woman Who Fell to Earth when she was on top of the crane. She had it in It Takes You Away when she blew the kiss to the frog. You know, I, she had it in Resolution when she was, when she was uh, facing up against the Dalek, you know. I like the um, the scene in uh, Villa Diodati as well, where she turns to Ryan and is like, you know, sometimes uh, this this isn't a flat team structure, you know. 
and it's a mountain I'm at the summit kind of thing. Oof, that was a great moment. He's in the center of the Cybermen where all the uh, where Graham, Yaz, and Ryan are all going, Well, that didn't work, and that didn't work. They're all giving it all this exposition. She just turns around, she goes, I know, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, no, it's yeah. Oh, I love this. But she thinks she's cool again. I love like how the whole fam thing came about because she was trying to be cool, but she's not cool. That's still there. That's very me. <laughs> I love her. You know what as well? I think that Sarah would work just in the same way Donna would work is because while she's played for laughs like a lot and is very, very funny, um, yeah. there's a moment where she goes into the corridor and she looks at the guy like, in deadly serious and goes, please don't That's kill me. And yeah. for a second, my heart just stopped. And then the bit, the bit where she says, oh, my friend always says what the good-hearted weirdos are the keepers. And she has these moments where she's very real. I think she's real through it all. I know that she's played for comedy. Yeah, you're completely right. But um, she she already has that relationship with her mother. She's got this relationship with Nick. She's she's abrasive to the Doctor, which I think is always the, the one of the best qualities in the companion, who also loves the Doctor and gets on with the Doctor, but that added kind of friction is really important. Being able to call out the Doctor on something, which is which is what, what Dan does later on, but in a very kind way. Dan Dan's a bit more muted, a bit kinder. I love this bit where it was like, deal, deal, deal. I was like, yeah. I, I, like I, some of those bits in the sports movie where they all go, you know. Avengers assemble. Here it is, walking towards them. I am pissed off now. Megan Akinola's music is like, da-da-da, da-da-da. His music is so good. I feel like I've loved his music from the beginning, but during Flux, I cannot explain to you how many times he brought tears to my eyes because of he was conveying everything he was supposed to with that music. I'm thinking particularly back to the end of the Halloween apocalypse. Oh, so good, wasn't it? And it was like oh. choral, and it was getting higher and higher. Yeah. Uh, with everything that was going on the screen, on in the screen, it was just epic. He's he's amazing. I I, I kind of hope he stays. Look at this with her trapped in the lift. Oh, horror. horror. Yeah, like, but there are lots of little moments like this in the episode that are really effective. What you have to remember as well is that yeah we're watching Doctor Who you know so we know what we're getting but these characters are supposed to be real you know the Sarah is for the first time she's been killed and then brought back to life what the fuck <laughs> you know and, and, and she's acting in a very realistic way to that she doesn't know that each time that she dies isn't going to be the last time well, and do you know what like the norm is with these time loop episodes is that it's played over and over and over and over again and and like with each one they kind of get a, oh, like, oh, learn more. you know but you get tiny details the the clever thing about this one is they remember every single time so the plot is always progressing yes oh here we go here, here it is. Oh, we won't have to be silent for this thing you know this is the part as well Mandip Gill is such an incredible actress. Oh, I don't, have you... I, I, do you know what? I, I can kind of feel like a, a woman's directed this sequence as well. There's just something about how it's lit and short oh, that feels very emotionally honest. And I just love the bit where she looks at him with tears in her eyes. It's so moving. One tear. How do they do that one tear falls on their cheek? That is a skill. In Village of the Angels, man, she could turn on those tears in those scary moments. Yeah. Oh. And like it's always, I've always felt like Yaz is a realistic character because she's not big, is she? They don't really write a B 
big like Donna and like Martha and you know like Amy she thought mm. she's quite a subtle character but this was her at her most authentic you know you know what is the, do you know what I would love to see one day or I wish we would have seen would have been Yaz and Bill together oh. not as a relationship as friends bonding over what they've been through with their doctors well yeah well no I would have got they could have got together because I you know I don't know what happened with Bill and that bloody puddle you know um I don't know either <laughs> one minute she's a side man next minute she's having puddle sex I don't know what was going on there in that last episode but you know oh look at this oh this is so good as well the Dalek light coming on yeah, I suddenly became very tense. My God, it's like this is so well directed. That that like, there's one behind you. Yeah, there's one behind you too. That is like Stephen Moffat scares good. It is. It's really good. And and then and then to think that this is probably the episode that wasn't supposed to be. Yeah. This is what we're getting is um, is amazing. In terms of characterization, it's probably the most vital episode of the era. Yeah. Is. I mean, and again, my only, and, and I know we've spoken about this before, but my only kind of criticism, I guess, is that the, we, we got this from Yaz so much later on. And she had she had lovely moments in Eleven, don't get me wrong, because since you and I did that, um, did that commentary on The Woman Who Fell to Earth, I feel like I let myself, this sounds weird, perhaps I was holding back how much I actually really, really enjoy this era and enjoy Jodie and, and, and this whole, the, everything we've had. And with Capaldi's era, when it was on TV, I didn't go back and re-watch it, you know, the next day and twice that week, ready to watch the next episode or in, in, the, in the gap, go back and watch them all again because I wanted to. I didn't do that with this era, I have done it. And I think post that commentary with you, I let myself just go and enjoy it and, it and it's okay to enjoy stuff that other people do not yeah and I think I still though do have that criticism that Yaz whilst having some you know good moments in series 11 and some good characterization in series 11 you know we really really get started getting to know her in Can You Hear Me which is the latter half of season 12 and and then in, into the Halloween apocalypse, she's driving the TARDIS, driving, flying. She she's basically um, she's not uh, uh, like a companion anymore. She's like a co-lead, I think. Yes, yes, and I think that, but that justifies keeping her on because initially I was like, really, like I like the character, but does she need a third year? Actually, yeah, she does because look at all this. Did it would have been criminal to get rid of her without this third year because it was so so important because her character wouldn't have had that arc you know he Chibnall gave Graham and Ryan that story of you know Ryan wanting you know they wanting to escape their grief for a bit and 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 just not face what's going on in their real life and go away and have adventures and that's what he gave them and then it, it did have a close have a closure. Whereas Yaz's story really was still only just beginning, and it felt like it was leading to this. And I think this is it, so brilliant. You're right. It is a shame it took so long, but we got there, and that's, we did. that's a definite. We did. Oh, and, I was going to say, there's there's two plot things here, well, and people, people have a go at Chibnall for being a bit obvious, but actually, the phone calls from the mother, which have been used entirely to make us laugh, are absolutely a plot point because she ends up saving the day and exploding the building. Or to uh, in the Daleks, and this unknown character that we've never met, 
but we've learned so much about with using the storage space and blah 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 it's his fireworks that end up setting the building on fire at the end of the day it I, I do love that actually because um it's subtle writing it's it's embedding things at the beginning you don't think are going to become useful i go back to the runaway bride when um catherine tate has that joke about pockets in her dress she doesn't have pockets and at the end you know where do you have those and he's like pockets it's like it's the cleverest yeah yeah, yeah. but like oh. it has not always been subtle they remember that no. walking around with that microwave and you're like well that microwave people don't tend to walk around with microwaves so that's got to come in important at some point whereas here it's it's very cleanly plotted into the story it really is it really is and i bloody love the explosion the building going up it's incredible Jeez. i love that we never met jeff as well is it jeff i feel like i love this yeah. jeff it's a mythical magical character we're never gonna see every now and again this happens doesn't it it's like the federator in snake dance has always talked about it's like hyacinth bouquet's son sheridan sheridan <laughs> talked about you know it's like uh, mannering's wife in bad's army Who's always talked about? I love those characters that, that in your in your head. They, if you saw them, they could never be as monstrous as you imagine. You know, so disappointed, wouldn't you? <laughs> but you know, the strange thing about what's his name, Jeff, the guy. Yes. The strange yeah. thing about Jeff is he's one of the best characterized uh, people in the Chibnall era, and he never meet him. Never ever saw him. And how clever as well to have another character to use that you haven't got a cast. During COVID. Look, this thing here where she phones her mom and says, I love, and it starts off very moving. And then she's like, oh my God, you're dying. Oh my God, <laughs> what's wrong, you know? I'm glad that we have those moments as well, because I think that sometimes when things are a bit too sickly sweet, it's a bit like, you, you know, you have to undercut it with humour or jeopardy or something just to take that like sweetness away, because it can't be like that all the time. That's too much for me. That would be too constructed. It's real life if there's sarcasm at the end. <laughs> and the mom, man, the mom is just brilliant. Is she from Father Ted? Yes. Yes. I can't remember her name, uh, her real name, but um, she is brilliant. Um, she was in uh, other things as well. Do you ever watch Jam and Jerusalem by, um, ooh, um, by uh, uh, Jennifer Saunders? I'm so sorry to interrupt you. There's that sequence where, oh, it's gone now. She was over the shoulder. Yeah. yeah. And look yeah. at now, just from below coming towards the guy. It's just brilliant direction. Sorry, you were saying Jam and Jerusalem. Jam and Jerusalem by Jennifer Saunders. Have you ever seen that? It's a it's a or it's it's a comedy, Jennifer Saunders, and, and that, that lady's in that too, and she's fab. It's it's, it's really historical cute. comedy, is it? Not historical, no, it's set in like Devon or Cornwall, and I think the main character loses her husband and, and she's just navigating her way through sort of this era of her life without her husband. Uh, and it's it's really, really funny. I would highly recommend. I can't believe they got away with that line, you know. When he, he the Dalek shot all of the X's and he goes X dot terminated. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. It's better than bloody eggs stir one minute or whatever the omelette joke was in Asylum. Oh, yeah, no. Oh, yeah, she is, oh, beef and oh, beans. Oh, this scene. Might put on the hoot nanny, but you, yeah. she's so good. Is it a shame this didn't go out on New Year's Eve? Is it a slight shame it didn't go out on New Year's Eve? Maybe a little, maybe a little. Look at the three of them. This is the team, man. The Doctor yeah. and Dan. The chemistry's yeah. right. 
It is good. I do. I do like Dan. Please don't get me wrong, because I've had discussions um, with my other Doctor Who friends. I'm sorry, Joe, you aren't my only Doctor Who friend. I have several. Um, Having an affair with other Doctor Who friends. I am. I'm sorry to break it to you. I mean, but to be fair, I have a podcast with them. Slut going around, you know. Like. <laughs> um, but um, we, there's been we've we've discussed how you know Dan's good. I like Dan. He's great. I just wish he'd had, uh, maybe, maybe he still will have, um, some meaningful scenes with the Doctor by himself where where she can, oh, they can have some sort of more of a connection. That's all I want. That's all I want. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. But I just think he's immensely likeable. Like, there, there are massively likeable. Generally speaking, when there's three, there's one I'm just less keen on, and there's yeah. just not in this at all. Yeah. What are these people talking about? Look at the the pace of this thing now. Look at how the momentum is ramping up. Like this is not getting no, it does. It's getting faster. And I, I love gunpowder since sixteen oh five. And I also love that she references supermarket sweep oh. and um, some other thing. I just loved all those little references that uh, were in this one. Do you know what I heard on social media? I heard a lot of people saying that I don't like this era. I really love that episode. A lot of people. Oh. Yeah. Okay, interesting. And I know people like um, like Tom Spilsbury, who I don't know if he still edits Doctor Who magazine, but like he's not been a massive fan of this era, but he said to a friend of mine who knows him, this is really good. Like this is a great episode of Doctor Who. Okay, that's good. It's a very classic series, ending on a massive explosion. Yeah, I just wish they'd run a bit further away. <laughs> that's all. Oh. Great show, though. I love fireworks. Oh, and you see the man from Woman Who Carl. Yes, how how ironic that you and I are here and Carl is on screen again. The only two stories he's been. The only two. <laughs> you know what's funny about that, right? Is a mate of mine went when he first watched this and it cuts to all their reactions. He's like, yes. They're not going to, this is really cheap. They're not going to show the building blowing up. And it, they hold on their faces for about five seconds. You, you're right. And then they show you. And then, then they show Yeah, absolutely. And it was actually really stunning. Here it comes. So I, I think love... this is this is one of the most important moments in the era. Yeah. And it's much a, well, it's quiet because no one's talking. Yeah. Oh. It's stunning as well. Do they look at each other because they're allowing themselves to have the relationship? Do you know what this is? It's a TV movie. Fireworks, love. He's looking and she wants to have the relationship. Oh, oh, but she knows she can't. Oh, it's so hard. Oh, and then Dan's like, oh, look at his smile. Oh, he's We all need the Dan, don't we? That person who's got our back. Yeah, we need a Dan. And then this is beautiful. Look at that. Look look at this. How the Daleks in the wreckage. That's. Oh, and it was oh, he's special. He is valued. Yes. He survived and he's here and he gets fireworks for, for himself. Oh, the first point when I really felt like, okay, this era is winding down. This is a callback, you know? Yeah, yeah I know. Do you know what, uh, Mike? If they dare, yeah, in the Sea Devil episode to do a CGI murka, yeah. The I don't know what that looks oh uh, so the murka is a pantomime horse uh that appears in the last sea devil story uh and it is literally a, a great pantomime horse with two men in it it look it looks as bad as it sounds yeah 
it's the ultimate weapon, but it just looks like men going in a pantomime horse. Yeah, it's covered in like uh, seaweed. If they do a CGI version of that coming out of the sea in the next one, this era, man, the best era ever. <laughs> if he salvages the Merca, then Chibber's my respect. Well, it might happen. We can only hope so. But I hope, I hope for you, it happens. Mm. Yeah, right. So, so she obviously uh, ends up with this lovely man. I'll, I'm going to generalise now, but like, um, actually, no, I'm not. I'm, I was about to say something really terrible. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I'm going to keep my mouth shut. All I'm going to say is this: it is true. That's all I'm going to say. Mm. It is true what they say. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Let's let's move on. <laughs> Did you know that Ash Sarah's, Sarah's in for a good time? That's all I'm saying. Oh, oh. No, this is this was nice. It's a little colder for them as well to have that um, moment. I can't believe how quick this has gone. We're at the end of the episode already. This is not fair. And you know what's interesting is we spent a lot of this episode talking about characterization, and it's something that people criticize the era about. And yet we've managed to talk at length, at depth, about the characterization. I think, yeah, I th it's because Russell does it so well. Mm. That's, that's the thing. And we're, and we're watching, we're watching this on the back. Of the Russell T Davis era, you know, which which we, has been described as the golden age, you know, of of New Who, and and and, and you know, rightly so, it was fantastic. It, it really was. Um, I don't know if I've spoken to you about when I found out that Russell T Davis was coming back because I love Russell T Davis. Okay. I love everything he does. Right, I, I I absorb it all. At the moment, I'm listening to loads of podcasts with him in as well because I just love it. But um, when I heard he was coming back, a part of me was. A little bit like, oh no, the kind of similar feeling I felt that when Dan, I saw that John Bishop was cast as Dan. Let's just pause for this trailer because it looks great. It looks great. Is it historical? And, yeah, it looks like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Wow, that's super authentic as well. I know nothing was about it because character. you love that era so much, and because he he it was so popular, you don't you think this might be his downfall? No. Actually, because I trust this is this is strange. I'm going to sound like I, I'm I'm doubling backing up myself because I do trust that Russell has got a vision and knows what he's doing, and he does characterization so well, and and he, and then stories that that he can tell are going to be phenomenal. I know that, and that's what's got me through. But my initial reaction was, I want the show to keep moving forwards, and I think sometimes we can glamorize the past and look at it. As, as as such a lovely, wonderful thing, because with, with hindsight, I guess, you know, and everybody has this memory of that era being fantastic. There are some real dud episodes in his era. There, 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 yeah, there were some, I, I mean, for me, it's still the golden age of Doctor Who. I still, oh, do you know, but for me, it is as well, because it's what made me fall in love with the show to begin with, and, and it has spawned. You know, how long has it been on the air? From 2005 to when I started watching it. So that long relationship with the TV show, for Other me... shows are weeping at the length of the new series uh, of Who, let alone adding assets. Pure love, pure love. Plus, he's from literally up the road, like from where I live. So, you know, uh, I have, a, I have a, a lot 
of positives about it. But I just felt like, you know, when, you, when you're looking at this episode, what we've just talked about now, and this 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 marvelous characterization and this stunning program, and and what has been managed to be done across this this era, and then you go back to the Slovene, and I just. Uh, and say what you I I love a bit of Slavine. Don't get me wrong, I love a bit of Slavine. It was, but it was of its time, and I feel like the show has moved forward. So I'm really looking forward to what Russell does to continue the movement forward of the show and how he takes it into a new direction because it does need to keep moving forwards. I, I do have like but, a, uh, an addendum to that then because I think I think you're right. And I, actually, my initial reaction was, oh, shit, what are these bombs? And he had such a success with this. That was my initial reaction. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, there's no denying that that era, his era of Doctor Who, is probably the most popular Doctor Who has ever been in main, or maybe apart from Hartnell's time initially and early Tom Baker. Um, yeah. But looking at what Rusty Davis has written and produced since he left Doctor Who, like he's written success after success. It's a sin, years and years, you know, a very English scandal. It's just mm. superb work. And I just think he's too good of a writer to repeat himself. He's going to push yeah. in a new direction and it's going to feel completely different from what he's that, that's, that was That's all I want. That's all I want, because I just initially thought, you know, I don't want us to go like, I mean, these room, these silly, silly rumours about um, David Tennant and Catherine Tate coming back. Like, that's all it is. I thought, you know, I mean, I think, you know, it's not really a big anniversary. The 60th, yes, it's a huge anniversary, but it's not like the 50th was. And I, and I, I'm quite up for seeing past doctors with past companions seeing a new episode of of a story for, from when set from when they were the doctor and the companion that would be really quite interesting actually and have a story built around multiple doctors leading to this big new new 14th doctor that would be fab and i would personally love to see mcgann get uh get a special with because he looks the same he still looks so young I've got a feeling there is some spin-offery coming here. Doctor, yeah, yeah. I think I think Davis is going at this with we're going to be an expanded universe franchise and with money. <clears throat> that year will um, with Sony. I think this is going to be it's going to be an incredible era. It's an incredible time to be a Doctor Who fan. But so is the Chibnall and Jodie era. And I just I'm I'm glad that that, that the Russell T Davis gets to build on that now and move and move forward with that. But I'm just saying, like my initial reaction was, oh, okay, I'm not. I wasn't a hundred percent sold. I was ninety percent sold, and I'm going to love it. I know I am, but it is going to be hard for me to top the Jodie Whittaker era because I've loved it so much. I can absolutely agree with you. I and and. <clears throat> I'm the same as well. I have thoroughly enjoyed the Chris Chibnall era. Uh, I think it's had its flaws, but I think the hit rate has been really, really high. Uh, there's like a there's like a high level of competence to this era that I really admire, and certainly in terms of like its production and its acting, you know. But in the writing as well, and I think the writing has improved from season to season. He's gotten better at producing seasons of Doctor Who as he's gone along and even the Daleks as a standalone episode of Doctor Who I think it's phenomenally good and it's one that I will return to again and again as a, like a shining example of how good this era can be. 
Yeah, I agree. Before we duck out of this, I just need you to please um, give me three reasons why people should go and watch Eve of the Daleks. If you want like a standalone, big, epic adventure story, you can pop this one on because you you don't need to know too much of what's happened before, but you'll get rewarded if you do. I like that sometimes to go to go to the shelf and pick up one you can just put on just to watch the one and not get caught up in a in a series of things that's happening. So I think that's one real advantage. I think the other advantage is the fantastic guest cast. I really think that they they shine. Um, they they bring so much to 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 what they do, and, and it and I think you really feel for them. And then also there is so much emotion in this. My third my third reason would be all the emotion that you get from from Jody and from Mandip and from Dan, but but from those two primarily. This 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 wonderful progression of their relationship and I think that's what we all want to see we all want to see progression of relationships and this has that it's gotten people talking about the two of them which is which is really really interesting I'm gonna add three more you ready but it's very simple mine very simple I'm gonna boil it down to its basic constituent elements uh it's an incredibly good script funny Mm. and scary and clever it's phenomenally directed I think um, given she had that tight location to shoot in, it's full of packed, full of great visuals and set pieces, and it's brilliantly acted as well, like across the board. Oh, and it's really well scored. God damn it, it's just great. This episode it is good. That's a good one. I, and I, I worry that the last two can't actually live up to this. One. <laughs> oh. But they've said, haven't they, that the last episode, the um, the 60th one, her regeneration episode, they've had something like four times the money and time to do the effects. Really? It's going to be an effects extravaganza, like the be- one of the best looking things uh, the BBC has ever put out. Well, it's going to be the last time the BBC purely will put out Doctor yeah, Who. True. true. This is going to be their hallmark. Oh, interesting. So be like, bad wolf, see if you can match this, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But, Mike, it's been a complete pleasure to have you back. Thank you for having me. It's been really fun. As ever, we can enthuse about this era until the cows come home. Um, maybe we'll take a deep dive into another era, if you're amenable. Yes, that would be lovely. You'll be proud of me. I just finished my first third Doctor season. Which, I just, what, season seven? Ten. I watched uh, season ten, starting with the three doctors and ending with the Green Death, and I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed myself. Yeah. After the really... part at the end when she left, it was so sad, yeah. so sad. And from a show that you know the classic series doesn't really do that, like high emotional stuff, yeah. and so for that to happen was a real, like, real kick in the gut, and I loved it. <laughs> Well, well, maybe well, we'll talk off mic, but maybe we'll touch something in season 10. We'll see what you've been watching and we'll have a talk. But for now, I'm going to say thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. So a big thank you once again to Joe for inviting me onto Hamster with a Blunt Penknife and for letting me share our chat as this bonus episode. The links for Joe's socials and the podcast, well, his entire podcast empire, are in the show notes. So please check them out. 
So what did you think of Eve of the Daleks? I want to know. You can follow me on Insta and Twitter at WhoFluxPod. Thank you very much for listening. Please rate and review because it will help other podcast listeners to find Who Gives a Flux. And of course, if you want to be a part of the conversation or if you want to join me for an episode, you can get in touch with the links in the show notes. And let's chat Doctor Who. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.